0: People would say, are, are, don't you miss being a pastor? You know, you're not doing anything in ministry anymore? Because I worked a regular job. And I was like, nope, I don't care. I don't need to do that. I'm in the church. I'm a Catholic. I get to go to Mass and receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I didn't need anything more.
1: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis.
2: And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves.
1: And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message.
2: Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good,
1: Robert. Season three. I got a new haircut for the new season, but nobody can see that because we don't go on YouTube or anything like that. And I got a crown today too. In you my had mouth. to point
2: Not. out that it's season three, just to bug me, didn't you? Season
1: three. Yes, yes. We're getting old, Robert. It seems see- like time is just flowing, hasn't it? Season three shouldn't start until Lent, but uh, we'll have yeah, that arm wrestling. That's Lent right. We're going to have that arm wrestling, but. Uh, you've got another great guest, so as things change, more things stay the same. You seem to round up all these great guests every year, Robert, for the third season. We're starting off with an excellent guest tonight, correct?
2: Oh, I think so, because uh, like we were chatting with our guest a little bit before we got started here, that uh, we love listening to him over mm-hmm. on uh, our good friend uh, Keith Littles, the Cordial Catholic. The Cordial so- Catholic, Absolutely. And, and he's been gonna... on there about five
1: or six times, and yeah, every time I seem to be, take out my dog for a walk, I seem to pop him on, and uh, yeah, it's really really good listening.
2: And it feels like we know we've known our guest for forever and a day because we we've heard his voice so much, mm-hmm. right? And we do have a lot that we want to talk with our our guests this evening because when I was looking at the the layout that we've put together. I think it covers about three or four hours worth of material that we're going to it try is. to condense down
1: down into our hour here. And then maybe you know what, if we have a lot left, then we get them back on the show. Keith's got them back like five or six times, so we can certainly do the same thing, right? We keep saying that we'll bring back guests and we haven't yet, so maybe this will be the first one that we
2: have a repeat. There, there's so many great Catholics out there that absolutely uh, doing great work that you know, trying to fit them all in into to our meager schedule. is And
1: is converts, crazy. too, which get me excited about the faith. But I don't want to spoil your, your bio there. That's And, I, up,
2: and so. I don't know if uh, our guest is going to want to come back because neither one of us is named Keith either. Right? <laughs> so, But, you yeah, know, lots to talk about. The beer's getting warm. I know you always get anchor Exactly.
1: So. so you do the bio, then we do Grace
2: Before Beer, and then we open the beers and
1: start drinking. That's your Season 3 resolution. So you can okay. let us imbibe quicker on the show okay
2: we'll see what we can do for you okay so our guest tonight dennis is a former protestant pastor with over two decades in the field of ministry keith nestor crossed the tiber and entered the catholic church in 2017 after a 20-year discernment process a year after that keith found that god was calling him to write the convert's guide to roman catholicism your first year in the church which is a down-to-earth guide to the transitions, obstacles, joys, and challenges faced by new converts to the Catholic faith. Keith uses his preaching talents to speak about faith, theology, and his journey to Catholicism, while he's also the Executive Director of Down-to-Earth Ministries and content creator on YouTube and his podcasts, Unpacking the Mass and Catholic Feedback. His most recent book, Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary, is literally a game changer when it comes to praying and contemplating the mysteries of the Rosary, which Keith does with people from all over the world through his daily live stream prayer community, the Rosary Crew. When he does have a spare moment, Keith loves to ride his Indian motorcycle and spend time with both family and friends. Someway, somehow, all the way from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Keith Nestor has found a few minutes to sit down and have a pint here, Dennis, with you and I, on the Pints and Pews podcast this evening. So, Keith, welcome and thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be with you guys. Great to have you on the show, Keith.
2: Like we were saying, it feels like we, we've had you on the show a million times, <laughs> only because we've listened to you so, so often through other podcasts, and as well as your own. I've really enjoyed the Unpacking the Mass, where you go into the readings for the upcoming Sunday's Mass and tying those all together. It really opens up the readings a lot more and helps prepare for Mass on Sunday. And then as well, your your Catholic feedback uh, and kind of unpacking bits and pieces of the Catholic faith as well. Uh, I really like you did one um with a priest friend of yours not too long ago, where was, ask us anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could do that where you're just getting questions live like that. Wow, and being put on the spot and trying to answer those. So kudos to to both of you for doing that. well, thank you
0: so much. Uh, I'm blessed to have some great priests in my life that are also willing to help me with the things I'm trying to do here on uh, on online and in the different types of content that I'm creating
2: so always the the first question we like to ask our guests there, Keith, is, what are you drinking with us this evening?
0: I am drinking a blue moon, Belgian white. Nothing fancy. actually, my son left it here. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, i'm I'm more of a bourbon guy myself, but um, I, we've I, had, do, I, I, do I think we've had people, sometimes.
1: yeah, had bourbon on the show or different types of uh, alcohol, not necessarily. But we get Blue Moon up here, don't we, Robert? I think that's very common, isn't
2: it? I think so. I know it's a white beer, which really isn't my mm-hmm. my style. It's not white beers. The wheat beers aren't, aren't really uh, something that I appreciate. But I know, Dennis, you really like the white beers. I, I do like, you know what, Blue Moon I, I've had a couple of times, and I
1: do like the wheat beers, more of the ger- German. But, yeah, I mean... Great. Let's see how it
2: is. I guess we'll open
1: them up, and uh, you'll lead us in prayer, Robert?
2: Yeah. Now, Dennis, to you yourself, you just came back from Belgium not too long ago. Did you I... have any white beers while you were there? No,
1: I didn't have any white beers. I had a lot of... Uh, um, I had a few Trappist beers, and of course I had... I don't want to embarrass myself. I might have had a Stella Artois or two, Robert, which is kind of like just the no-name brand there, isn't it? And yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. Pretty, pretty so.
2: much, pretty yeah. much. But okay, that's, we'll, so we'll, I get, we'll you let guys decide. are
0: beer snobs, then aren't you? You
1: know what? Not snobs. And you, I want you to talk <laughs> about the because you're not a wine snob. Because I do want you to bring that up when you do talk about the rosary. You made that great analogy to wine, so I want you to keep that on the back burner, Keith, because I really Got enjoyed it. that analogy. But no, we're definitely not beer. We like all beers, don't we, Robert? Robert's Probably a little bit more of a beer snob than me, but uh, no, we we enjoy all types of beers, don't we?
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I'm really going to throw you a loop today, Dennis. So I'm going to hold off introducing my beer because I know it's going to catch you a little bit by surprise. But what do you have for us this evening, Dennis? Well, right now I have one, but I just seem to misplace my opener. But I'm gonna, if
1: I can find it shortly, I might have to go into the fringing and get a can. What I've kind got of one podcast of the, is this? What is going on? You is gotta yours come yourself.
2: Per- <laughs> yeah, 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 those are not those are not twist off because I know he, I Is yours that a place. twist off or is mine yours, is a uh, twist off? You're a smart man. This is one of the
1: beers that you gave me here, Robert. This is the Old Flame, right by yourself, a peppermint stout. So I'm gonna see how that compares to our old. Uh, Guinness stout and I, if I can open that in the next little while and what have you got there uh, Robert what's the big surprise
2: The big surprise I brought along a
1: Budweiser Oh you did what? eh a Budweiser I along a
2: Budweiser <laughs> but there's a little bit of thought that went into the Budweiser too I know so it, I, yeah. I I'm going to put you two gentlemen on the spot right now why mm. would I have picked a Budweiser for today in particular cuz I wasn't even thinking of the Budweiser until this morning
1: because there's a German connection with um, Pope Benedict Emeritus, is there not?
2: Well, then I would be drinking the Old Flame Brunette, which is a, a Munich Dunkel Lager. Which Duh, I did. Come I, on, man! I, I, Everyone I would, knows
0: that. Would...
2: <laughs> <laughs> which, if you followed us on Facebook, there, Dennis, which I know you're like never on because you don't exist there. I don't have any. I, Facebook I had that or on the day that Pope Emeritus passed away. Okay. Okay, but there is a link to today. And I didn't I, 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 to I wasn't thinking of the Budweiser until I was doing the Saints of the Day this morning.
0: Well, the Saint okay. of the Day was John Newman. Yeah. Okay. So he was a school teacher guy. So
2: Yeah, and became Bishop to, of Philadelphia. Yep, yeah, Bishop of Philly.
0: Okay.
1: So I'm sorry, okay, we're getting there.
2: Okay. You need you need to work your way backwards in his life. Okay, He's from the, he was born in the Czech Republic. Exactly. Okay.
0: Um, that's pretty good.
2: What town did he go to seminary in? Prague? Budweiss. Budweiss. And Budweiss. He went He went to seminary in Budweiss, which is the home of Budweiser. Wow. So that's wow. why I had to have a Budweiser. Like, okay. it's just, and as I was explaining that to that's my son cool. earlier today, I just said to him, it's the little things like that that keep your dad going. Right, yeah. it's just the, the the little quirky things <laughs> that just. Okay, put know. up
1: your hand if you didn't know Budweiser was an actual town. There,
2: okay. My, myself and were, Keith,
1: we're that's that's pretty impressive, Robert. So, so you yeah. learn something new every day. And now, probably
0: the most popular beer in the U.S. Would you agree with that, Keith? Oh, I would say Bud Light would Bud be Light. the most okay. popular beer. You know,
2: I, w- I wasn't going to go that far. I mean, it's I mean far enough that I'm having a Budweiser. Well, I'm it. proud of you. Thank you. And it's a it's a World Cup edition. So I'm wondering if this is one of the cans that they sent to Qatar and then they weren't allowed to sell while they were over there. And so are they even allowed to have beer over there? They made a special exception for the World Cup. Really? And then, they, then even they shut that down.
1: Yeah, they shut that down. They're like no, early in. <laughs> no yeah. beer for you. So did you find an opener yet there, No. So you guys you will lead us getting prayer and then I'll jump quickly and grab well, an opener. You know, so. you know, so. you can't you know, just put okay. it in
0: your teeth and just like you know what I was man?
1: thinking that, eh? And I just got a crown today, and the, and I don't want to get rid. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to go back to the dentist
2: there, and get another one. I don't want to pay. I mean, this is minivan, man. He's not uh, driving around the rosary RV. So no. Ooh. yeah, oh Right. So okay, we'll say grace before beer, mm-hmm. and then as we're opening up and enjoying ours, Dennis, we'll head over to the Absolutely. beer fridge to find something else. So in the name of the Father and of Father, the Son and of, Son, the, Holy of the Holy Spirit, Christ. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which Thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of Thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name name of the the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Keith, now, as Dennis is heading off to the beer fridge, I'm going to fess up a little bit he really threw me off because usually we, we open our beers before we say grapes before beer oh i know okay. and then now i'm I'm really i'm I'm out of sorts I'm okay of so sorts, but we'll give this a little
1: i found thing. it and there you oh. can see it how about that can you see that robert you'd appreciate Ooh, that
2: okay where did That's, that come from where's that little boy oh from? it's Manicampis from brussels
1: it is sir okay there so let's see can. what we have here
2: and we'll get my Budweiser poured here. And I always like to take a little picture. I mean, Keith, who was ready to open the, his beer with his teeth, I think is just drinking straight out of the bottle. Oh, man, I'll just do that. Straight out of
0: the bottle, man. This is how we do it over here.
1: You know what? When you get when you get to our age, well, especially Roberta's age, you need a glass, Keith. You can't do the bottle anymore.
2: But we were talking about a little Keep bit that there that, uh, Keith. I'm not sure if you realize this, but uh, our mutual friend, Keith Little, him and I are from the same hometown. Ah. One of us a little bit earlier than the other. So uh, I'm not making
0: any judgment on that. I don't want to like spoil it. <laughs> he, is, he is on YouTube, but you're not. So people could look and kind of make a judgment.
2: This, this is true. I was on his shoulder one time, and I think people could see the age difference in which one of the which one of us is the senior member. Okay uh, from, from our hometown. Um that's one. Anyways, gentlemen, cheers.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Keith. I'm supposed to have an orange slice in this but i don't i feel i feel like uh like a loser but it's all right it's pretty good yeah mine's a, good too that's really good repair
2: if you're putting fruit in your beer you, you know you can put a little umbrella in there as well or i don't
0: know i just know uh, whenever i see these out in the wild people have a, like a big glass with the orange slice in them just like the corona with the uh was it the, oh, lime, the, lime, or the lemon? lime yeah i like i like me some corona
2: But as you mentioned there, too, Dennis, off the top, thinking that I was going to tie my beer into to Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict Sixteenth, it was his funeral mass today as well. Right. Right. I don't know if you gentlemen got a, a chance to watch any of that. Uh, I wasn't no. getting up at 2 in the morning uh, to watch it. Now, Keith, it was probably at a time where you didn't even have to go to bed yet, and it was kind of, you can almost watch it last night yeah, yeah. in Iowa. Uh,
0: I go to bed, like, super early, so... I'll see your it was old, not on when I was it.
2: going to bed. Oh no. yeah, no, it, it was on at two in the morning here where we are. And so You're I just probably watched an it hour. On. You're an hour ahead of me. Hour ahead? Okay. Yeah. So one in the morning. Yeah, I'd be long okay. in bed by that point, too. As was I. Yeah. So I was watching it on a YouTube replay. Mm. And I gotta say YouTube maybe has to decide that some things you just can't throw commercials into.
0: They will never decide that.
2: Like Mm. In the middle of the confidior, there's a peanut butter commercial.
0: Oh, that's too
1: bad, Robert. That takes away.
2: At the consecration of the Eucharist, there was an... I think it was for a Chesterfield, there was a commercial. Mm. And then uh, as they were carrying Pope Benedict back into st peter's basilica i think it was for a lazy boy right so that that was tough yeah. but outside of the commercials it was beautiful it was beautiful mm-hmm. right and it was nice to watch then the mass being prayed with such solemnity and with so many people they said about fifty thousand people were wow. there for the mass
1: yeah. Brilliant man! I think I, I was reading somewhere. I I picked up the New York Times obituary on on Benedict. You know, thinking, okay, what are they get? And it was real, done really well. It must have. I must have been reading for like fifteen minutes his obituary. I couldn't get through it. But they did. They did say, and you two would concur, is that probably the most brilliant Pope since Innocent the Third, which I don't really know much about Innocent Third, but that's a few years ago. So they're calling, that was your childhood,
2: wasn't they, <laughs> it?
1: They're calling him that. Like it's that's quite the. Uh, you know, um, praise, isn't it? For sure.
2: For sure, for
1: sure. And um, you've I, read some of them, Robert, and not a brilliant academic, yet his reading, his it's, it's a good reads, isn't it? It's not it's, heavy.
2: He's very accessible. very accessible. Very, very accessible. And I would suggest to anyone uh, his series on the life of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, right? Excellent, excellent. It really opened up my eyes and my heart to who Christ really is. Now I wanted to ask Keith here because you came into the church in 2017. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So as a Catholic you've never really known Pope Benedict the 16th except as Pope Emeritus. Correct. Was there ever any special influence or or anything along the lines that you know memories for for yourself? Well, he actually is
0: uh, quoted in my book, um, Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary, when I talk about the fourth glorious mystery, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, I came across this quote by him that stuck with me, and I put it in my book, and the quote reads this way, The Virgin Mary, among all creatures, is a masterpiece of the Most Holy Trinity. In her humble heart, full of faith, God prepared a worthy dwelling place for Himself to bring to completion the mystery of salvation. Um, and that's something that he said on, on 2006. So like, I just think I, I, I appreciate his intellectualism and his, and his brilliance. And of course, I also appreciate um, what he did to bring the liturgy, you know, now granted I wasn't a Catholic when, when he, you know, had the, the document about the liturgy that allowed the Latin mass to come out of, of where it was, but I attend a Latin mass. So I have to give him, give him a uh, praise for that.
2: Oh, for sure. And the Latin Mass, uh, we used to have the Mass prayed to the the Missal of 1962 uh, in our parish as well. And it it is very, very different, but very, very beautiful in and of itself. And just the silence. I'm a huge fan of silence. And to pray the Mass in silence and to follow along that way in silence is fantastic. And that being said, in the same way... uh, the requiem mass today outside of the readings and the prayers of the faithful the entire mass was prayed in latin right and that was beautiful as well and at one point i wish they had stopped doing the translations Hmm. so that we could just follow along the mass because as catholics we all know where we are in the mass so you can figure out what's being said
1: Mm -hmm. i wonder if that's a papal funeral requirement robert i would imagine probably
2: or maybe just a Vatican requirement okay. too, as yeah. well.
1: I guess this is precedent setting as well—a pope presiding over another pope's.
2: Yeah, that was that funeral. was kind of weird. Yeah, I yeah. mean, for us, the last papal funeral was back in two thousand and five, Saint John Paul II, and then before that, uh, Dennis, I think it was your teenage years uh, with uh, Saint Pope Paul John VI. Paul the fir-
1: first, or Pope Paul. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was he's joking, of course, Keith. I'm not that old, but listen, yeah. And, um, I mean, we should, we'll dedicate part of a show, certainly next time, to talking about Benedict, because there's a lot we want to unravel, Robert, but we don't want to, certainly, um, we want to get to Keith's story, because I think it's just fascinating, and I think he's got a lot to tell us. This is where I step in with my inner Marcus Grodi to take us back, Keith. Certainly, I know you've had a couple of different Experiences on the podcast I listen to. You give your longer version, short version, whatever you want. But we want to go back to this whole convert, you know, part of your experience, your life for so many years and how you ended up in the Catholic Church. So maybe you can take our listeners through that for a little while.
0: Sure. Well, I was brought up in the home of a United Methodist pastor. So I'm a PK. Which means preacher's <laughs> kid. I always have to tell the Catholics what that means. That's right. No, I think I know uh, that,
1: but
2: I've, yeah, I've heard it a few times. I, I thank you for that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad I have to tell them what it means. But um, so I grew up going to church. I grew up learning about Jesus, went to church camp, became a Christian there, you know, in, in terms of the way that I publicly chose Christ for myself. And, uh, you know, doing my normal teenage thing, trying to be a good Christian kid, but not really uh, thinking about anything like ministry. And it wasn't until I was about 20, 19, 20 years old, where I felt a call into ministry out of something completely unrelated to ministry, which was music. I was playing drums in a band mm-hmm. in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I moved out there after um, after high school, and uh, I started attending this church out there that was a, it was a Calvary Chapel. It's like a Bible, Bible-based church. And, you know, growing up in a, in sort of a mainline Protestant denomination, there wasn't a lot of, of focus on the Bible. I think people had this idea that all Protestants are like Bible experts definitely, and, and that Catholics don't know anything about the Bible. And they're like, oh, well that, watch oh, out for that Protestant guy. He's got to know his Bible backwards and forwards. Not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a, I mean, our churches, my dad's a great pastor, but like, I didn't, have this sense of like the central importance of my faith as the guiding point of everything. It was just like part of my life. But when I was attending Calvary, I I really began to fall in love with the Bible because they're they're a church that teaches the Bible verse by verse. And one night at a sermon um, at a, at a, at a worship service, the pastor preached a sermon and there was a call kind of to conversion there. And it wasn't just about, if you're not a Christian, become a Christian. It was also about if you are a Christian, but you haven't put God as the center of your life, you know, this is how you do that. And I I did that. And immediately I had this feeling like, okay, something's going to change in my life. Well, it wasn't long after that, that I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was a pastor back in Iowa. And he told me they needed a youth pastor. And, and I had no desire to do anything like that. But I felt like I had laid kind of my life out before the Lord said, if you want me to do something like this, I'll do it. So, so here was God called my bluff and long story short, I ended up quitting the band I was in and moving back to Iowa. Um, not to the same town where my parents lived, but, but another town and I became a youth pastor. I was like 20, 21 years old. And, um, so I started ministry at that age and, and went back to school and, and, uh, studied theology and philosophy and things like that. While I was growing this little youth group, I had met a, a, um, a young woman when I was in Philadelphia who was a Catholic. And I wanted to date her, but I said to her, I'm like, well, I'll, I, I want to date you, but are you a Christian? And she said, well, I'm a Catholic. Does that count? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> um, so I said, will you come to church with me? She's like, sure. So I brought her to my church and she just had an incredible experience. I mean, she was raised in Catholicism. Sort of nominally, uh, she went to Catholic school, but her family didn't really attend mass, so it was just sort of like the okay. cultural Catholicism rather than the practice of it.
1: And so what was your I, just quickly, Keith? Yeah. What was your not opinion of Catholicism, but what did you even think of? Like, did you know Catholics? Did you were they even on your radar? What did you think of the church? Was it, um, even a consideration? Nothing,
0: it was never a consideration okay. because for me, I didn't know anything about it other than the things i'd learned from people who weren't catholic that talked about how bad it was okay and so and i'd also seen so many things that didn't make sense to me and you know a lot of misconceptions i mean i didn't understand anything about the pope i you know i believed that catholics believed that he was perfect i thought that they you know had some really wacky ideas with regard to the virgin mary and statues i didn't learn i didn't know a lot about catholic theology though i just knew this the Catholics seemed to be practicing a completely different religion than I was. I was based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Bible, and living your life on fire for God. The Catholics I knew didn't care about any of those things. They just sort of like walked through the motions of this religiosity, but they didn't have any kind of, of Christianity associated with it. This was my perspective, Okay. So when I met her and she's like Catholic, I'm like, okay, forget that. And so she, she moved to Iowa when I, you know, a little bit after I did, we ended up getting married and, you know, I basically was like, you can just leave your Catholicism behind. It's, it's worthless. And she was like, okay. So, you know, when we first began ministry, she's a, you know, like a lapsed Catholic, but doesn't care. She's now on fire for her Christian faith because of, coming to a Protestant mega church with me and now we're in ministry together. So there was never a moment when I thought, Oh yeah, there's something to this Catholicism stuff. And, and in her mind, she'd felt like it had never meant anything to her her whole life. So I didn't have a very good, I didn't have a very good, uh, opinion of Catholicism at Mm -hmm. that point in time, but I would, I will readily admit it wasn't because I had studied Catholic theology. It was just based on sort of the, the, um, you know, kind of generic objections about it and misconceptions that misconceptions. many many people have. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. kind of the hearsay that's out there. Your, your wife's story is very much the same as my own, kind of growing up nominally Catholic. You know, for the most part, we went to Mass on Sundays from when I was you know maybe about the age of nine until beginning of high school, Catholic schools throughout, but really didn't know a whole lot about the faith. And I think that's kind of a similar story for most cradle Catholics, mm-hmm. whether it's myself, your wife, I mean, Dennis. Uh, uh, maybe you got a little bit more catechesis there, Dennis, than, than I did. Mm-hmm. No, but very similar, yeah. Uh, and we don't really know that that whole amount, like that a huge amount about uh, Catholic theology. And that's why I always say to my RCIA candidates that at this point, halfway through the RCIA program, they know more about the Catholic faith than... Most of the Cradle Catholics that are in the pews every every Sunday, absolutely. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a little bit when we talk about your first book, the Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism. Mm -hmm. But how did you make the leap from?
1: Yeah, well, take us. You've got this youth ministry growing, and that's part
0: of it, isn't it? You're growing this youth ministry, and then all of a sudden,
1: uh, yeah, take us forward.
0: Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm in my early twenties. This youth group that we started in a little church of about two hundred and fifty people um, began to grow, and pretty soon our our little youth group was was pulling more people than were coming to church on the weekends. When I mean, we had wow. like three hundred people coming every Wednesday night, and it was just exciting. And I was preaching the word, and people's lives were being changed. And I was I was convinced that this is what God had for me to do, and that He was blessing this because. You know, I knew so much about the Bible and about God. Well, one day I was looking for a graphic designer because I wanted to create a logo for my youth ministry. Because, you know, if you're going to do youth ministry, you have to have some kind of cool stuff. You know, you have to have a, a name and a logo and merch and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you have to have an identity to it.
2: And that's so why Dennis and out, I can you know? never do youth ministry because we just don't have the cool factor, right? <laughs> you you got to so have that going, that's going not, on, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: we got some swag for you after the show, but that's about sweet. It. Go on.
0: Well, so so I, I ended up going. You know, this was 1998 ish, 98, So there, were, the internet wasn't really a thing. So I'm in the yellow pages, and I I come across this graphic designer, and I I call and and got connected with this man. Who, when I called him on the phone and explained to him what I was looking for, he sounded really interested in it. And, and he said, Yeah, I would love to help you out with that. You know, I'm involved in my, my youth group, my church too. And I'm like, oh, cool. So he invited me to come over to his house and look at some of his ideas. So I it was my I remember it was my anniversary, my one or two year anniversary. And um, I told my wife, I said, I'll be back in about 20 minutes. I gotta go over and meet with this guy and um check out some of his ideas for the youth group. So when I went over to his house, as I'm walking up to the door, I noticed that he's got these statues on the front steps. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm, I recognize the Virgin Mary, of course. I recognize St. Joseph, but there was some other guy with like a parrot on his shoulder or something like that. I didn't know who that was. And when, uh, when I knock on the door, this guy answered the door. His name's Devin. And Devin answers the door and he invites me into his house. There's a little bowl of water on the side of the doorway. There's statues everywhere. There's icons and paintings and all this like religious looking stuff. And uh, and uh, his house was immaculate. And he invites me over to sit down at the dining room table. And I felt like I had just stepped into like, you know, a mansion. And it was a simple, humble house. But he had it decorated in all of these things related to his okay. Catholic faith. And I'm like, what is up with this? And, but, but we're talking, you know, like two... Dudes in our twenties, because he's about my age. So we're having this conversation about the faith, and it was very clear to me that he had he had the same kind of faith that I had. And so I was I was very confused because I'd never met anybody who was Catholic that talked like like I did. So then I had this thought: Well, maybe he's not Catholic. Maybe this was like his wife or his grandma or something like I don't know. So I remember asking him. I said, "So are you you're a Christian?" Right? He's like, "Oh yeah." I'm like, you love Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. Yeah. I said, okay, well then what's all this Catholic stuff, dude? And he just started laughing. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm, I'm Catholic. He's like, my Catholicism is everything to me. And I started freaking out in my mind. I'm like, what? So then I started thinking, well, I can easily then convert this guy. Because clearly he doesn't understand anything. He doesn't understand the Bible. He doesn't understand Christianity. So this will be great. Because now... He will become a volunteer in my youth ministry. He's going to design all of our stuff, and I'm going to basically win one for the kingdom. You know, I mean, I, I talked plenty of Catholics out of Catholicism in my short amount of time in ministry. By then, you know, because it seemed like every other person that was joining our Methodist church was an ex-Catholic, so it was it was pretty easy for me to to walk people through that. So I began to try to do that to Devin. So I started asking him, you know, when when were you saved? When did you? Give your life to Jesus Christ. Because no Catholic ever had a good answer for that until now. You know, now he's telling me his testimony. He's telling me about Jesus. He's telling me about the sacraments. He's telling me about the Eucharist. And I'm like, the what? And so he's he's explaining these things to me. So then I start like, okay, I'm just going to dig some Bible verses out, you know, call no man father. Uh, we're saved by, by faith, not by works, all these different things. And he actually had an answer for all of this stuff. And then he began to kind of turn the tables on me and ask me some things. And I was like, I had never been talked to like that before by a Catholic. And it was kind of fascinating to me. I was like, this is interesting stuff. And I don't know, a couple hours had gone by and I had told my wife I was... Just going to be gone for 20 minutes. Remember, it's my anniversary.
2: Yeah, that's that's not a good sign on your first <laughs> no, anniversary to disappear no. like that, sir.
0: So I said to him, I'm, his wife called down from the upstairs. She was like, I think Keith needs to get going. And I'm like, yeah, I do. So he, he just said to me, he says, oh, before you leave, he says, I hope we can talk about this stuff again. I was like, absolutely. He said, before you leave, I got something for you. I want to give to you. And then he's like, this guy was like you, only worse. And he became Catholic. And then he started laughing. And he hands me this VHS tape. And it was the Scott Hahn conversion story. And, you know, I'm like, what is this? He's like, just watch this. So I went home. I was like, where in the world were you? You know, did you go to the video store? I'm like, uh, no. So I, you know, I didn't watch it that night, but I don't know, sometime within a couple of days, I watched this, the Scott Hunt conversion story, you know, the old school one that, that was recorded in like, I don't know, 1987 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah,
2: but um, conversion story heard around the world.
0: Exactly. Which I later found out when I actually talked to, to, to Scott that, He didn't even, he wasn't even supposed to be giving a talk that day. Um, There was a, he was at a, he was at a little, little conference, small group people. And the video, the VCR video thing wasn't working. So they were going to show a presentation and the machine wasn't working. So someone said, Hey, would you mind just telling us how you became Catholic? And somebody recorded it. And then that's what that is.
2: Those are usually the best stories though the ones that you just kind of get up and and go. Because when you have time to prepare, you over-prepare.
0: Yeah, well, it, it blew me away. Like I watched that and I was blown away. So at the time that I was watching this and talking to Devin, I was I was in seminary um, in college. I was, I was kind of doing this weird hybrid program where I could take seminary classes and undergrad class at the same time and they'd count both ways. So I was like in church history class, I'm in Bible theology, and I would go up to my professors and I would start asking them some of these questions because Devin and I continued our friendship, but it became very adversarial. Like we were friends, but we would fight. And I was convinced I could convert him to Protestantism, and he was convinced he could convert me to Catholicism. So we would we would just battle it out, you know. And there were times where he would say things, and I didn't have the answers. So I would start to kind of like go, "Okay, I'm going to go ask my seminary professor about this." And I remember one one time in particular, I went up to uh, to this uh, this woman who she was the Old Testament professor. The New Testament guy was gone, and I asked her about Matthew 16, the keys to the kingdom you know, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates Mm -hmm, of hell will not prevail against I said, what do we think about this? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, my Catholic friend's telling me this is the foundation of the Roman Catholic Church, this is the papacy, this is where, you know, Jesus gives Peter the, the keys to the kingdom and all that. I'm like, what do we think about that? And she's like, well, we believe that that was about Peter's confession, his faith. And I said, yeah, I know that's what we believe, but why do we believe that? And she looked at me and she goes, well, because we're Protestants. And I was just like, okay, that answer is not gonna work. Well, what ended up happening was there there were a whole mess of those things that I was running into. Cause of course he's showing me all this apologetics material that's dealing with the church fathers, dealing with all of these things that I'd never seen before. And I'm studying church history at that time. And I'm learning about these guys, these church fathers. But I'm not, and and I'm even learning that that they had some weird beliefs. But but it was never in like in the context of this is how the church understood what the scriptures meant, and this is how the church understood itself. It was more like, well, here are some guys that were really old, and they had some interesting views, you know. But we we've sort of figured those out now, and we we know better than they do um, with some things. Now, with other things, no, we, we're we're gonna we're gonna just rock with those guys, you know, um, the canon of the New Testament, the nature of Christ, the Trinity, all that stuff. We're we're right in line with them. But when they start talking about the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Eucharist, the the Bishop of Rome, all this stuff, then we have to say no. So, I'm finding myself being more drawn into these arguments. But the problem that I was having was that as I'm doing that, my youth ministry is blowing up and it's getting bigger. And now I'm married with kids and. I've got a I've got a career going and and it was a, it was apparent to me that even though I was feeling like there were elements of Catholicism that were revealing themselves to be true to me that I just wasn't ready to sacrifice what needed to be sacrificed to become Catholic. And I hadn't really said anything to my wife about any of this other than just oh yeah I'm going to convert Devin and and you know but i i didn't let anybody know that i was starting to feel like maybe the catholic church was the true church and in the middle of this i went on a pilgrimage with my friend devin and a bunch of other people they invited me to go over to rome and Mejigoria with them and i was like okay you know it was a free trip to europe i went and that was an incredible experience but i still I, there was a lot of work going on in my heart that that god needed to do before i was actually ready to to give it some thought. And there there was a couple moments where I almost did, but my fear just got the best of me. And then eventually I said to Devin, I'm like, look, I just can't do this. There's no way I can't, I can't quit my job. I can't blow up my whole life. So I'm just out. And I kind of turned my back on Catholicism. I didn't talk to Devin too much. I basically was like, nope, I'm not even gonna think about this anymore. And that lasted, you know, several years where I was like, didn't even give it a thought. I thought, you know, okay, I've been there, I've done that. I still had enough of those misconceptions and objections in my own heart that I could talk myself out of not being Catholic. Um, I still believed in my heart. I was like, okay, the Catholic Church isn't the whore of Babylon. It isn't Satan's church, but it's still not the one true church. But that wasn't really based on any extensive study. That was just based on the fact that I really didn't want it to be. So because cause it was going to, you know, be a big deal, so Eventually, and I'm almost done with this part of the story, but no,
2: eventually... Okay. So we're, fa- we're fascinated. Yeah. That's why we're, we're not jumping in. We're okay. just completely spelled out here. No, no, it's a, story and I'm, no, I'm no, it's a great story, a Keith. Bit, but... and, and and
0: you
1: know what? It's not a Protestant accountant moving over to become a Catholic accountant. It's your whole life and your career is wrapped up in your faith right now. It's not an easy jump, as our listeners, you know, we
0: understand totally. Oh, for sure. And I'll share with you how I kind of talk about that with people who mm-hmm. are who are where I was. But, you know, around like 20, 2016, 2015, I had been working in another Methodist church as like an associate pastor, youth guy, mission guy, worship guy. i had done a lot of things in, in churches, not just Methodist, but I was an evangelical free guy for a while. I was in Assemblies of God for a while. I kind of bounced around, never really found like where I felt like I fit completely. But because I grew up Methodist, you know, that's where a lot of my, my roots are and a lot of the people I know are. And the way I got jobs was, I just, you know, pastors or different people in churches go, oh, Keith, come work for us, you know, because I had this reputation of being this sort of like rock star youth pastor that blew up this youth group back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm at this, I'm at this this church. And I don't know if you know anything about what's going on in the United Methodist church, but it's basically splintering. Um, again, it's dividing itself over the issue primarily of well, the the issue that is the the touch point of it right now would be like human sexuality and um, you know who can be ordained a pastor, marriage, that kind of thing. And the church I was working in was a was a fairly, well, I'd say, moderately conservative theological church. And the pastor there, who was a good friend of mine, was I was extremely like conservative the- theologically. So for me, I was really having a hard time with all of these other people in my denomination that were doing all these things that I thought were completely ungodly, unbiblical, and it seemed like our denomination wasn't doing anything about it, and in fact, was moving in the opposite direction. So I, I, I came to a point eventually where I was like, look, we, we can't do this. So I'd get in these, these discussions with my, with my friends, who some of them were a little more liberal. And when I would talk about why I believed the way I believed, based on the Bible, they would say things to me like, well, that's just your interpretation of the Bible, Keith. And it became apparent to me that I wasn't able just to argue from Scripture because everyone has a different interpretation of Scripture and they can make it justify just about anything they want to do. So then I started thinking to myself, okay, but this is how the church has approached these issues for 2,000 years. To which the response was, well, which church? You know, because not every church. And I was like, well, the churches that are faithful to God. And I remember one of my friends said to me, well, the church has been wrong and it's our job to fix it. And something just didn't sound right about that to me. And I, so I started arguing about like church authority and, and tradition. And I remember I had a friend, she said to me, she said, well, if you believe in all this church authority stuff and tradition, then why aren't you Catholic? And I had I was like, oh, I haven't given that a thought in a long time. But I started to... I started to think about it again and dust off some of those old apologetics books that Devin had given me years ago and began to sort of like walk through my current situation that was that was basically a circus which re, which was the result of no authority. And so I'm I'm processing that situation that I was in up against the backdrop of what I had learned about Catholicism in the past. And so it's starting to sort of make some more sense to me. And you know, one thing led to another. I had a friend of mine who's Catholic, who I was talking to about this stuff, and he encouraged me to seek out a priest in my town and just begin to, to kind of walk through those things with him. So I started, I, I, I called him up and he said, hey, meet me after daily mass and we'll go to lunch. I hadn't been to mass in forever, you know, but I I went down in my town to a daily mass, 12.05 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by all the people that were there on a Tuesday afternoon. And this moment happened in the mass that really like rocked me, and it it, it wasn't the Eucharist, it wasn't the you know the gospel reading, it, it was the procession when the deacon walked in holding up the gospel as he's processing in. Kind of you know how they do that in the church where they yep, show everybody yep. the, de- the, the the scripture.
2: And when when I saw that mass too,
0: yeah, yeah, he <laughs> did in the in the you know when I saw that I was like wow, as a guy who was so committed. To the Bible to see the Catholic guy holding this up, like showing it to everybody like this is important here. <laughs> that just hit me. And then I went out to lunch with this priest who was unlike any other priest I'd ever met before. You know, we we started talking. He was very upfront with me. He was, he was awesome. But when I explained to him kind of how I was feeling the the struggle I was in, and I was like, Yeah, you know, I think there's some stuff here with Catholicism, but I just yeah, you know, I need a lot more time to to think about doing anything like this. He said, you don't need any more time, Keith. You just need to make a decision. And he just basically called me out. Well, I'm at the in the middle of all this, I'm reading all these books. Now the internet's a thing. So now you can watch videos on YouTube and you can hear talks. So I'm, I'm consuming Catholic content and I'm looking up things on websites and I'm trying to learn the best I can. And everything is just seeming to make way more sense to me now. And it was just like all coming so clear to me but i still had that issue of fear you know now i'm i'm 10 years older i've got my kids are teenagers now you know it's like i'm i'm not in my 20s anymore to where it's like okay you can kind of start your life over it's like what am i going to do i've been doing this for 20 years now what am i what am 100%. i supposed to do mm-hmm. yeah so it's a, it's even scarier to a certain degree but i was like in, in a different place in my faith because i had walked through some dark times in my life after I sort of ran away from God on the whole Catholic thing back in the day. And I had, I had decided that I wasn't going to live like that anymore, that I was going to seek the truth no matter where it led me. So that openness in my heart was, it was sort of a different thing. I wasn't like trying to disprove Catholicism like I had done in the past. Everything that came at me before, it was always like, yeah, but that can't be true. Now I was sort of in a different place where I was like, okay, God, I don't know what's true anymore. Show me. And God began to just, through a lot of, a couple of very interesting experiences, show me things that I had that I, I couldn't deny. And one in particular that happened to me was I was preparing an Advent sermon. Uh it was Advent in 2016, and I was in my office, getting I was writing a sermon on... Uh, the Annunciation, when the Blessed Virgin Mary got the news from the angel Gabriel that she was going to become the mother of God. Now, in Protestant world, we just call that Luke chapter 1. Um, so I'm, I'm studying this text. I'm writing this sermon in my office, and out of nowhere, I just began to feel this incredible presence, such to the point where I just start bawling. Every time I read a scripture about the Virgin Mary, and I'm thinking of her, and it was just like I felt like something that I'd never felt before in the room with me, and it was like undeniable, like, what is going on? And I got up that Sunday to preach. Like, I, I had never thought about her like this at all, but I got up to preach that sermon on Sunday, and it went a completely different direction than I expected it to uh, when I was preparing. Like, I ended up preaching. I mean, I had I had it all ready to go, how she's the new Eve, how she's the woman of Genesis 315, Revelation 12. You know, I talked about how the early church viewed her. I had quotes from the church fathers about how she's the ever-virgin, she's the new Ark of the Covenant, all of these things. And I basically was preaching like a Scott Hahn, you know, um, Hail Holy Queen sermon to these Protestants about how the Blessed Virgin Mary is the Mother of God. And, and they're, who's they're, this they're Catholic guy up there? Right? I, I was going to say, was there an
2: uprising out in the yeah. congregation? <laughs> I'll how tell, how tell you what happened. This yeah. Okay, well, so
0: so you would think that, right? I mean, I'm like, she's full of grace. You guys, what does that mean? Because nobody had ever heard that before, you know? So I'm like, let's talk about what it means that she was full of grace. And I went there. I just, boom, went there with these people. And again, I was ready for people to be like, what are you doing, Keith? But instead I looked out in the, in the, in the church and people had tears streaming down their faces. <laughs> and I remember one guy got up, he's about my age. He got up and he came down to the front and we didn't do that in this church he came down to the front and just hit his knees and just started praying and crying. And then I had people come up to me that week in my office going, Keith, what in the world was that? We've never heard anything like that before. That was amazing. And I was like, okay, something is going on with the blessed Virgin Mary. I just was like, okay, there's something going on there. And all of these memories that I'd had from Mejigoria were coming back to me about all the rosary and different things. And, I, I was just like really getting freaked out, you guys, because remember, I still don't want to become Catholic, you know, no. but I want to know the truth. So I wake and up and you're building a new church at the time, aren't you? Or in the process we were, of building? We had a, yeah. so our, our Methodist church in my in our city was growing and we had, we were in an old downtown church building and it was falling apart. So we were, we were raising money. We'd already bought like 20 acres of land on the outside of town. We were raising $10 million to build this big, beautiful new mega church. I was, I helped design wow. the thing, you know, hmm. and we were, we were all about that. So the, the future was bright for our local church, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, but in, the, but in the meantime, I'm like kind of in a weird spot in my life because I'm starting, I'm like, I don't think I can stay in this anymore, but I don't know what to do. So I woke up one morning, I had the, it was a Tuesday, which was my day off. Um, or Thursday, I can't remember what day it was. But I was off that day for for some reason. And I was praying in my house, and I felt the Lord saying to me, You need to get a hold of this guy named Steve Ray. Now, Steve Ray is a Catholic convert who was a Baptist. He's kind of a maniac. Like he is, when you listen to Steve talk, he's super just fired up and and very like just he's just he's a fiery guy.
2: Yeah, no, I had, I had a chance watched, to
0: listen to him before.
2: He's, he's been oh, to Toronto and had a chance to meet right. him at a conference. Like, absolutely yeah.
0: fantastic. He's amazing. He was amazing. Like, he was a Baptist that hated Catholics more than anything. And he became Catholic, and, and he's got some incredible talks. Anyway, I didn't know him. I'd never had any interaction with him. I wasn't the guy that was, like, emailing Catholic answers or any of these people like that. I was just kind of doing my own thing. But I felt the Lord was saying, you need to get old to Steve Wright. I'm like, I don't even know where he lives. I don't know anything about that. But it was just sort of in the back of my mind. And I'm, I'm not a guy who's like, the Lord spoke to me. You know, that doesn't, that's not really like kind of who I am, like the way some people act like they have coffee with Jesus every morning. So, but I will say this, like that came out of nowhere, that thought to connect with Steve Ray. So that evening, I'm scheduled to have dinner with one of my friends named Greg. He's a, he's a very strong Catholic guy. He was on that trip to Medjugorje. He's the one that, that took me over there with Devin. And Greg and I remained friends. And he was aware of what I was going through with all this stuff. And we were going to get together to have to have dinner. Um, so we we met at this restaurant um, and we walked it, He walks in and before he even sits down, his phone goes off and he looks at me and he says, oh, my wife just texted me and she said, Here's, I have a message for Keith. Tell Keith Steve Ray is in town tonight and he's giving a talk and you guys should go.
2: And I I was just like, I didn't,
0: I hadn't said anything to Greg. Like literally Greg had just walked in. So I didn't say, Oh, I had this weird experience this morning about, cause I didn't even know if Greg knew who Steve, Steve Ray was. (laughs) So Greg's just like, what's that all about? And I just, I freaked out. I'm like, we have to go, man. I don't care what's going on. We have to go to this talk. So he's like, okay. So we ate our food. I mean, we had to drive like an hour and a half. It was in a different town, but, but it was it because Greg lives in a different town than I do. So we were meeting halfway and we had to drive back to his place. We drove all the way back and I'm just freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? We go into the church where Steve Ray is giving the talk is our lady at Guadalupe in Silvis, Illinois. And, um, we walk in and they're having mass and the church is packed. And I'm like, I'm just like, what are you doing? God. So I go up for, to receive my blessing. Cause I'm not Catholic. Of course so I can't receive the Eucharist mm-hmm. and my heart's just like exploding. And I, I took about two steps to the right and hit my knees. And I was looking up at the crucifix and I prayed this prayer that night. I said, Jesus, if you want me to become Catholic, I will do it, but you've got to make a way because I don't know what this looks like. I need a way. I had some, my dad had told me, I'd been, I'd been talking to my dad about this, you know, as I would visited with him, um, over the year about feeling led to become, and I remember that was something he said to me, Keith, you, you just can't become Catholic. There's got to be a way. You got to have a way to support your family. So that's what I said to Jesus. I said, okay, I'll do this, but you got to make a way. What's the way? And, you know, even in an even more clear voice than the one I'd had that morning, the Lord spoke to me and was like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need me to make a way. You just need me. And that's being put into my heart while people are receiving Jesus in the Eucharist right there. And I'm like, okay, wow, this hit me like, okay, I got to stop being in charge here and I've got to stop demanding that God explain everything to me, you know? And then of course, Steve gives this amazing talk that night about how the early church was willing to go to their grave before they would renounce their faith. And I'm sitting there going, well, I won't even give up a job. What good am I, what kind of a Christian am I if God's call on my life is to do something that's going to cost me a job and I won't do it? So I, I was like blown away. Like I told Greg on the, you know, we, we were like, I'm like, on the way home, I said, that I got to do this. <clears throat> you know, before we left though, he's like, we got to go talk to Steve, right? I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do that. But we did. And Greg walks up to Steve and said, this is my friend, Keith. He's a, he's a Methodist pastor. He's thinking about becoming Catholic. Would you give him your cell phone number? <laughs> I mean, he's just super, super bold. And Steve looks at me and he goes, Hey brother, he goes, I understand exactly where you are. And he goes, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He says, you either need to become Catholic right now, or you need to turn around and run the other way and never look back. Cause you'll go crazy living in this world where you are. And he wrote his number on this and he gave me a copy of his book upon this rock. We had about an hour and a half ride to get back to my house. And I told Greg, that's it. I'm doing this. And I got home and I told my wife, I said, look, I need to, I need to resign and become, because I need to become Catholic. And, you know, she had not been on this journey with me towards Catholicism, but she was aware of what I was going through. And I was very clear with her about the things I was thinking and feeling and wrestling with, but she wasn't like, oh yeah, we should do that. So I was worried about how she was going to take this news because I didn't have a plan B. And she said to me, Keith, she said, I'm so proud of you. And if this is what you feel like God's calling you to do, then this is what we're going to do. And I was just like, okay. So the next day I walked into my pastor's office and was like, Hey, uh, so I need to tell you something. And, you know, my last day on staff at that church was the day we put shovels in the ground to break ground for the new building. And, you know, the following week I was in the Catholic church, like, Attending, yeah. so I went from literally the newest church in town, you know, to the oldest church in town because ours is the oldest yeah. church in town. But
2: and... just to walk away from that too, like that's, well, yeah, I mean, I was as I far was... as the world goes, like that's that's inconceivable. Well, I, you know,
0: I had no clue what it was going to look like. But here's the thing, you guys, I, I, I w- the only thing that mattered to me was that I was in the true church and that I was in the true faith and that I had Jesus. And it took me a long time, even as a pastor, to get to that point. And I feel like that's a place where a lot of people are, whether you're Catholic already or not. A lot of us live in that place where when God calls us to convert, because I think everyone needs to convert to, you know, it's just a question of where you're starting. We all have to make that decision. Are we going to do what he wants us to do? Or are we going to draw lines around our obedience according to what's going to make us uncomfortable? And to really step into it, you have to let go of those lines, and so for me, I was like, "Okay, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, whatever it, whatever sacrifices made, I know this is the truth. So this is what I have to do." And <clears throat> I was—I uh, didn't go through RCIA. I went through a—I just went and met with my priest. He he determined that RCIA wasn't for me, which was fine.
2: You could probably have taught RCIA at that mm-hmm. point
0: already. Well, I started in the spring of 2016 just meeting with him uh, or 2017 it was 2017 meeting with him every every week we would meet and he would give me the same books they were doing he would give the same videos and we would talk about it and you know i'd quit my job by this point in time and i remember saying to him one day i'm like hey so when do i get to become catholic like what what needs to happen here and you know a couple things had to happen we had to deal with our marriage Mm -hmm. because we got married my you know like i told you my wife was raised catholic Mm -hmm. But we didn't get married in the Catholic church because I wasn't going to do that. And she didn't care. So we got married in the Methodist church. Well, if you know anything about how that's supposed to go down, you're not allowed to do that unless you get a dispensation, which she didn't get. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the priest said to us, well, you guys need to deal with that. Now, you know, we just said, okay, a lot of people I know when they get to that point in the conversion process, they could be so fired up for the Catholic faith. But when there's something with the marriage they have to deal with, they're just like, check out. But we were just like, okay, we'll do it. I mean, and it was great. It was no big deal. Um, and so we did that. And then I, he said to me, okay, well, that's taken care of. When do you want to come in? And we randomly picked the date of October 8th. Completely randomly. Well, that Sunday that I came into the church to be received, I didn't know this, but... Um, well, here's what happened. Mm -hmm. I, I came up front to get my receive, make my confirmation and receive the Eucharist for the first time. I go back. I'm in the front row of the church when it's time to, uh, you know, share with each other the sign of peace. I feel this tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's Steve Ray. And he happened to be in our city, in our, in our parish at that particular mass, Wow. standing right behind me and I didn't even notice him and he was there and he's like, brother, welcome home. You'll never look back. Now. I don't know if he made the connection that that was the guy who had, you know, been there with him months earlier, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, I mean, I've asked him about it since then and I don't, I don't think he remembers it, but but it doesn't matter. Oh. The point is this, like, that was like, it happens, going. Yeah, That's yeah amazing. It was like, What? I think it's even cooler that he doesn't remember it, you know? Um, so, that's the deal, man. I came into the church that day, and it's been the most incredible adventure ever since. It's been over five years now, and you know, someone's one time said to me, "Oh, well, you're so fired up about the Catholic Church. You'll get over that, and you know, then you'll be like the rest of us." And I was like, "Well, it hadn't happened yet. I, I I'm more excited each and every day about being Catholic. I mean, and I, I always say that to my wife. We go to mass. I'm like, man, I'm so glad to be Catholic. This is so awesome."
2: I know, so, and I, I know I can speak to a little yeah. bit of that, not just myself, but I think I speak on behalf of Dennis as well, that we were kind of the guys that at one point were just kind of going through our faith and, like you say, not really on fire. We were just the you know the, the guys in the pew and there every Sunday with our family, not, not really knowing much about the faith and not really, I, I know for myself, not really caring to know much more about the faith. But I find the more I get to know, about the faith. And the more I dig into our Catholic roots, the more on fire I become, right? And you're already starting on fire and with all of this knowledge and you're still continuing to dig deeper. So the fire is just going to continue to be kindled and kindled and kindled,
0: right? Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I look back on it now and I realize how little I knew when I came into the church, you know? I, I knew so, I mean, I knew the big theological pieces of it, of course, because I studied the, the book that's like four inches thick, that's called introduction to the Catholic faith for adults. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I knew kind of the big rocks, but I didn't understand hardly anything about how the mass was the liturgy. A lot of things. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know this stuff. And every time I learned something new, it was like, what? That's amazing. Who figured that out? You know? Oh, that's so cool. And I would have lots of conversations with people who were like, Keith, why did you do this? And when they would have questions about things, you know, and I would explain the Catholic perspective, I found myself like falling in love with it all over again. And it's been like that ever since.
1: So, Robert, I don't know, like, I'm just thinking, it's just been five years, or just a little over five years, Keith, and you've done so much on behalf of the faith in the church, and, I mean, so, where do we go in terms of time, Robert? I think we're going to call this part one here, because I really want to talk about the two books and all that. Oh, sure. But I don't want to cut Keith short, so I I really, I'm kind of... So what are you
2: doing tomorrow night,
1: Keith? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I have another uh, live stream tomorrow. <laughs> I
2: was going to see you got another beard.
1: To... Well, we definitely have to get him back for the second part, because I don't know if we're going to get the you know the rosary crew. Unpacking the rosary, you gave me a couple of chapters. Of that that was amazing. And I want to hear about the first book, The Convert's Guide to sure. Catholicism in the First Year. So, I, Robert,
2: you're... Yeah, I think we're, we're going to have to drop Keith a, a line again uh, in the next couple of weeks and set up for another visit. If if, 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 that, you're okay back, if you're willing to come back. That's okay with me. I'm willing to do it, because yeah. I'll
0: tell you this. I would say this is, this is, you know, this may surprise some people when they see all the stuff Mm -hmm. I'm doing. When I became Catholic, I had no desire to do ministry. I did not come into the church with a plan to be like some convert guy to teach people about the faith. I had no desire to do that. My priest said to me, He said, Keith, people are going to try to get you to do stuff because you were a pastor. He said, Just take a year and do nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I did, I did do like one thing, one or two things for, for my friend, Greg, who had worked so hard to get me into the church. And he's, you know, he asked me to come give a talk for some little retreat or something like that. I did that, but like, I was like, not going to be that guy. And I was totally cool with it. People would say, are, are don't you miss being a pastor? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not doing anything in ministry anymore. Cause I worked a regular job and I was like, Nope, I don't care. I don't need to do that. I'm in the church. I'm a Catholic. I get to go to mass and receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I didn't need anything more. So for me, like to be where I am now doing all this ministry stuff, like that's a whole other deal, which we can dig into in another episode. But, you know, sometimes people think, Oh, the convert guy, you know, it's like, as soon as you become Catholic, you got to have a podcast, you got to write about like, no, that was not. It all, I resisted
2: all of that.
1: And that's what we want to talk about certainly yeah. on the next show for sure. Robert. Yeah,
2: no, and, and I was really enthralled and I really yeah. loved your pastor's advice to do nothing for the first yeah. year and just sit back in the pew and enjoy being Catholic.
1: But then yeah, Keith you must there. you must
2: have exploded in the second year because you've got so much on the go that
1: we have to unpack ourselves in the next episode because there's just so much you're doing and I think our listeners are going to be absolutely excited to hear all the stuff that's going on with
0: your ministry and your books. Oh, that's well good. thank you. Yeah, I'd love to tell you more about it. Um, you know, it's hard to do it's hard to really like tell my story and then talk about what I do in one setting because yeah. there's so many different p- parts to it. And I, I haven't, as much as I speak and give talks and do things, I haven't figured out yet how to do the abbreviated conversion story yet. Um, I mean, I've done it a few times, but it always feels like I'm leaving so many things out and I still left things out with you guys, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, I would rather, I'd rather give people a, a fuller picture of where I was, because if you notice, like we didn't really talk about how I overcame all these objections and all this kind of stuff like that, which sometimes people are like, well, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. That each one of those things could be its own episode, you know, but um, so I, you know, it's, it's, that's one thing I need to work on in my, in my uh, I guess my ministry now is how can I tell this story in three minutes but I, I haven't impossible. figured that
1: out yet. No, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> Sorry. Don't, don't. I know you gave a condensed version to Keith, and you gave a longer version, but even your condensed version was excellent, and it needs to be told, and I don't know how you shorten it any shorter than what it what you did for the second time. But
2: And, and like you're saying about uh, you know dealing with all of your objections and all of those questions and doubts that you had as you were coming in, and each one of them can be a talk on their own, I mm-hmm. uh, was reminding me, one of your more recent guests on Unpacked, Unpacking Catholicism, Trent Horn, who wrote the book, where it was like a dialogue between him and his inner self. Oh, right, yeah, right, and going through all of the, those different doubts. And it's not to put, say, you know, you need to write one of those books. I know you've said elsewhere that you know book writing is not your thing until the Lord compels you to do that. But just thinking of your podcast, I want to ask just before we finish up here today, sure, where do you want to point people? Where can they find? keith Nestor's stuff because there is so much out there
0: so uh, the my ministry that i that i have that i run now is called down to earth um and so we our website is down the number two earth ministry.org so down to earth and everything can kind of that's sort of a central hub but if you're just like what do we what do we do with keith like go to youtube and just search just search my name you know i have, I have two youtube channels i have just keith Nestor where my podcast, Catholic Feedback, lives, my podcast, Unpacking the Mass, lives, my daily lives. I do I do a daily gospel reflection every morning, and then I do a daily rosary over on a different YouTube channel called The Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor. So YouTube is a good place to find me because um, that's where I'm most active.
2: Okay, cool. And we'll uh, look up all of that stuff ourselves, and we'll Absolutely. get that into the show notes. And I always try to put links into to our show notes for all of our guests, so it just makes it easier for people to sure. find you. But, but you can uh, find
0: my books on it. My books are on my website, and they're also on Amazon.
2: Oh, excellent. So yeah, and the the two books. Uh, yeah, the, the first co- book wrote the, Conver- I the called... converts guide. Yep. Go ahead. Conver- you know it better than I do.
0: Yeah, it's called it's called the Converts Guide to Roman Catholicism: Your First Year in the Church. But not and, just for converts though, Keith,
1: which I want to point out. I want to read yeah. that. And you said a lot of Catholic creative Catholics, myself and Robert are very we
0: inter- were very interested in that book. It wasn't just for converts. So that's important. Yeah, that's that was kind of an unexpected surprise because yeah. I wrote it for converts, you know. Um, I didn't it's not an apologetics book. I didn't write it to try to convince people to become mm-hmm. Catholic. I wrote it for people who were like, Okay, I'm gonna do this. What's it gonna be like? Right. Um, and then my second book is which just came out this year. It's called Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary, Connecting the Spiritual Fruits to Your Daily Life. And that's a completely different kind of a book. Um, but that's both of those books are little miracles because I'm not a book-writing guy. But, I mean, the Lord specifically told me to write both of those books. And uh, I've seen God do amazing things through them. So it's it's all a God thing. And we want to talk about both those books next time sure. on the show, for, for sure. For
2: sure, because I know having read Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary myself, it truly is a game changer. It truly changed the way that I pray the rosary. And oh, when I'm we so have you back to, to talk about that, I was the guy that was like the machine gun with the beads. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: The rope um, that you talk about in that, yeah.
2: And and then I've also, my, my wife now has it. I can't get it back from my wife, actually. <laughs> and... She's making notes in, in your book, but then she's transferring from your book to her little rosary handbook and all and all of that. So I really want to open that up as well when we get the chance.
0: Sure. We can make that happen, guys. Yeah.
2: Well, again, Keith, thank you so very much for taking the time out of your schedule. Like I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And you've already got stuff lined up, I'm sure, for the next six months. So
0: yeah. Oh, we're going to Guadalupe. I'm leading a pilgrimage to Mexico oh. City uh, yeah. uh, next Sunday. And then we'll be, back, we'll be back on the twenty-first of January, and then February fifth we leave. My wife and I are leaving for a month on a Rosary Crew road trip. We're gonna go. We'll be. We're gonna go over three thousand miles, praying the Rosary in different cities every day with people live streaming that. We'll be gone for over a month, and then as soon as I get back from that, I've got parish missions I'm given for Lent. So it's it's pretty it's pretty rock rock solid doing stuff. Um, but when we're on the road, I still do my daily live streams. I still make all my episodes. I still do meetings with people. I still do all the stuff I do here. It's just I'm doing it in the back of a of a van.
1: Excellent. And we want to talk about the rosary crew too, because that's uh, really interesting stuff how that came about as well.
2: All right. So Keith, you gotta go get the van started up and uh, head out to the airport. You've got your pilgrimage and all of these things. So again, thank you so very much for for joining us. How was your Belgian moon?
0: It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. I I I'm not gonna lie, I like it. Yeah.
2: Even I'm without a... the orange slice. Mm-hmm. And
0: Dennis,
1: the, the peppermint stout? Oh, stout's always good, Robert. You know that, yeah. And it's just about just about done. Perfect timing as well. P-
2: perfect timing on that. Budweiser, it's a beer. Yeah, it's a beer. <laughs> we, we can sum it up with that. Keith, thanks so very much. And uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Yeah, great Thank to you have guys. you on the show, Keith. Thanks Appreciate a lot for guys. coming. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, what a way to start season three, Robert. Are you kidding me? I We, do, we to don't do anything night. in small doses here. We don't. And that's the beginning of our part two episodes. I know a lot of podcasts have had people back. We are definitely getting Keith back to finish his story because it is just so exciting. and such a great listen for all our listeners. So hopefully we'll have him back shortly, maybe in the spring.
2: Um absolutely. That was so fascinating. I could listen to, to Keith go and tell his story. Like you said, as we were wrapping up there, I'm really interested to hear about The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism.
1: Which is not just for converts, and I want to purchase that book. So you'll go on Amazon, purchase that, and I'll send you an email transfer on that. But another great guest, Robert, and I know you'll probably have another one lined up for us at the end of the month.
2: Yeah, no, I'm really excited about uh, who we have lined up for the end of the month. So uh, for those of you that are out there on social media, uh, you can check out our Facebook page and my Instagram account at uh, CatholicMoment7. Uh, there'll be some hints dropped in the next couple of weeks about who we've got coming up towards the end of January. But Excellent. Let, let's just say it: I think it's a, a Catholic speaker that slides in very nicely with the pints and pews. Right. notion there right. but no keith was excellent uh i really encourage all of our listeners to pick up his books even though we haven't talked about his mm-hmm. books yet uh to kind of do a little bit of homework before we absolutely have on. right right now just before we wrap up here dennis if you could uh, maybe just ask a small favor of our listeners
1: yeah if you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the pints and pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review
2: And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook so you can see who's coming up towards the end of January. Drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always like hearing from our listeners. Chat again
1: soon, my friend.
2: God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton.
1: In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. Take care.